Hey everybody, it's Justin and Sarah. Yay! Here I'm for back. May Day. Uh, we are ready to hear to talk about episode seven, which comes after episode six, which I thought was going to break the internet with all of the things that happened in that episode. Um, it was quite eventful, we'll say. So we haven't talked because you were not here for episode six. So let's get your uh, overall feelings on all the things that happened in episode six, because uh, we had, what What do we have? We had Nick and Eden, the scene we aren't sure we needed in the, the whole show. Um, what else do we have? The bombing, obviously, at the end. Yeah. And the, then we had, uh, what else? What was the other thing? Uh, one more big the thing. scene where we find out how Serena was shot and then yes. how that was handled. Yes. <laughs> how that was handled. Uh, yes. With Fred. Fred showing his little, his little killer face. I know. I actually... I thoroughly enjoyed episode six, all of it, and I, I maybe I was the only one, but I was super surprised at how that was handled because I, I knew Serena had some pull over Fred in certain situations. I didn't think she had quite that pull, and I didn't think he had quite the uh, what's the word the guts for it, mm-hmm. the intestinal fortitude, if you will. <laughs> yes. So when he actually ended up killing the wife and not the husband of the man who killed her. Or shot her, excuse me. Um, that was really surprising. I I thought he was just gonna go clean with it and just kill that guy and kill his wife and and be done with it. So that was almost they like, put a little thought into it. Yeah, that was that was worse. So I was surprised at all of that that he had the the guts to do it and that he did it like that and didn't end up killing the man and that it was at Serena's urging and that she could question his manhood and that he would just go along with it because you never know where Fred's guts start or end. You know what I mean? So, like, in another situation, if she said that, I feel like he would have done something really horrible to her or ignored her or that wouldn't have carried any weight. But then in that situation, it really did to the point where he executed it even more ruthlessly than I feel like any quote-unquote normal person would in a redemption situation like that or a vengeance or whatever. So that was... That w- that threw me for a loop. I didn't expect any of it to go down the way that it did. And then the bombing was crazy. I mean, once you saw the look in her face, you knew something was going to go down. Right. Um, but when it did, initially, I was really happy. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, here's a, here's a move. It's clear that things are taking place and going down. But then you kind of think about, well, who's alive and who's dead and who's going to command power after that? Because obviously some of the more powerful people were killed. So who steps in then? Like, where does that go? So I was happy, but also a little worried about where the power would end up shuffling out after they figured out who was alive and who was dead. So. And most importantly, was Fred dead? Right. And yeah, yeah, it was Fred dead, basically. And then you kind of like vainly hope that like maybe all the most powerful ones are dead and they'll have to like disband or, you know, something stupid like that. But then, of course, you know that. Well, you would think, you know, in a government i guess we're calling them um that's given it this much thought that maybe not all the commanders are there maybe they have like a you know it's like when you have a company trip and the vice president and the president of the company don't ride in the same van yeah you know just so in case something happens in one van they've still got somebody to run the show so i'm guessing not all of them were there as much as everyone would like to think that i guess that i was hoping that it would weaken them enough that they would become vulnerable from the lack of like leadership because you know in a in a situation like this 
you need a ton of different people strongly invested in it in you know what i mean yes. <laughs> to keep something like this rolling especially with the resistance and all of that and so if 26 of the strongest most firmly deeply rooted invested in this die you would hope that the people who take over because you know that other people are you know second in line mm-hmm. or third in line and they would have plans for that but you would hope that those people wouldn't be maybe quite as invested or wouldn't make decisions quite as wholly mm. into the cause. Well, I think we see that proven wrong. I know, here I know. In this episode, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, and it I would out say, horribly. I would say, especially for, I don't know, most cult-like organizations like this. Generally, the people below who have been getting all their information and all their teachings and all their everything influence from the people that above are almost like more, more crazy than the. The ones that were in charge, because the ones that are in charge and at the top kind of know where their bullshit begins and ends, and the other people down there are just feeding and eating it all day long, so that's all they have, and that's all they're exposed to, um, and so generally those people are more more, more intense or insane, yeah, as it were. Well, that, that theory panned out very well for, for sure, you in, right? in episode seven. I My hope was vain, and I knew it. I was like... <laughs> You're just being overly optimistic, Sarah. You always have these positive pie in the sky. I try. You have to with this show or else it'll just swallow you whole and you'll just be depressed. (laughs) I want to get your official opinion on the... I was surprised by the reaction to this scene. Um, And maybe it's just me. Uh, Generational thing, I think. As far as the Nick and Eden scene and how far they, they really carried it through the whole thing. As far as showing it. The sex scene between the two mm-hmm. of them? That was in episode six? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was six or seven because I watched six. all three, six, seven, and eight <laughs> within a you wow. know, short range of time. I know. <laughs> that's why I have to have these vain hopes because I'm like, I can't power power through these episodes without thinking like, maybe it'll all be okay. Because Crystal and I both fell, and my wife, Nikki, both kind of fell on the, I don't know why we needed to see it side of things, but I was really surprised at the social media People and the interaction with people on, you know, Twitter and Facebook and everybody, it kind of seemed to be, like I did a poll and the, I did, do we need to see it? Needed to see it, didn't need to see it, and meh on Twitter. And the meh and the needed to see it were 70% of the vote. Interesting. Yeah. And it was kind of fell on the same line with Facebook as people were kind of like, needed to see it for sure. And it was a little more evenly split on Facebook, but yeah, I was really surprised. And that's how you felt? I felt like I didn't need to see it. And Nikki felt the same way? Yeah. And so and, did Kristen. Okay. Ooh. Now I feel like I should just say yes just to be contrary. No, um, I When I was watching it, that wasn't my first reaction. So let me put it that way. When I watched it, I didn't think, do we really need to see this? We should pan away. So that that didn't. I was too busy fielding my husband's emotions about it, I think, to yeah. have my own opinions. Because... There was a little bit more detail than I expected, I will say that. Yes. We needed to know that it happened, and we needed to see a little bit of it, I think, just to know how just terrible and awful. Like, you really did need to see just right. just how just ridiculous it is um, and just absurd. Uh, the sheet with a hole in it was, was interesting. Yes. And that actually, though, I'm glad that they brought that out, only because I know you're thinking, like, what a weird detail. I don't need that detail. Like, it's Oh, disgusting. I think you do. I think that part didn't necessarily bother me. Okay. It was the, I was more waiting for, me and Crystal both, had, <laughs> I, 
I always said I thought it was going to be more like a PG-13 sex where it's like they fall on the bed and they kiss and then you cut away to the next morning. And that's what I was kind of expecting. Oh, so the yeah. sheet in the hole with it didn't necessarily bother me because that's an interesting thing that speaks to the culture that you're in. Yes. And I think that's a nice detail that people are like, oh, that's one more weird thing about this society. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't necessarily need to get the blurry shot of Nick's arm while they add sex. I just don't. Yeah. I guess I could have gone without that. But at the time, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't I wasn't as uncomfortable. And I was talking about this with you guys last week. Um, I already know what you're going to say. I wasn't as uncomfortable with that as I was later on when Fred touched Alfred's boob. It was so sickening when he did that. I just want to throw up that I could have done less of. I mean, you needed to see that he was doing it and that he was disgusting and that she was disgusted. You needed to see it. But then he did it again, like a little later. And I was like, I don't need a second time. Get your hand away. Like that was so horribly painful for me. But yeah, I could have done a little less of, of Nick and Eden having sex. But like I said, I, it wasn't as awful and clinching as um, offered touching. Well, and I think that touched. maybe is because you know that Nick and Eden are getting ready to have sex. So you're like basically prepared for that. But when Fred comes in, you're not. You know something stupid creepy is going to happen, but that was like next level Fred creepy, which is saying something for Fred. Fred, right. Uh, the so bar is I low think, for Fred. I think that was more shocking to people and like really like stood out to people more so than the other one because you weren't necessarily prepared for where that scene was going to go at all. Like that was the one also when I was taking my notes and like I, was told, I talked on the podcast last week where I was like, it's usually just stream of consciousness for me because I'm just writing what I'm thinking while I'm typing it. And I was just like... Holy shit, is this for real going to happen? Because I, I really thought that they were going to have sex. And I was like, <laughs> seriously, this is like, this episode specifically was just like, I was like we're really going to add this on top of all the things that we were already going to get? God. So, but yeah, the, the hole in the sheet thing actually reminded me when I first saw it of, do you remember first season when um, Serena Joy and Fred have that moment where they're like, kind of lost in passion with each other Mm -hmm. and they're kind of kissing and like things are going down and then they have that moment where they stop and they're like should no we shouldn't and like it's this weird thing of like you get the sense that they never explained it fully and we speculated a lot last season but like can you have sex without procreation without the specific goal of procreation like is it okay it doesn't seem like it is and i think that's kind of the overarching thing that kind of answered my question because it didn't seem like it and we had some some theories that felt like they panned out well and then the sheet thing happened and you're like well yeah then you definitely shouldn't have any enjoyable sex whatsoever and the sheet obviously made that a reality and it's interesting also the only thing that may contradict that a little bit was the scene in episode five with uh serena and eden and then when they're like preparing for the night and yeah. she says it should it can be good for you too or at least that's how it's supposed to be because it's going to bring you closer together and so her saying that with well, them sheet you know doesn't the sheet doesn't bring that. anyone <laughs> so i don't know she was just trying to maybe she was trying to get Eden to push the envelope mm-hmm. a little bit because she never did and right. she wished she could or you know like she's trying to make Eden's experience better than hers is or was. And, and in that scene you're talking about where her and Fred are kind of going at it and then they stop, Fred's the one that stops. Yeah. Serena's not the one that stops. And Serena looks very disappointed when they stop. She does. I, I remember that. Because <laughs> I believe that's the scene where like he can't get it up when he's trying to do the ceremony and so they go in the other room yes. so he can 
you know, find the handmade fluffer. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, try and get things going. And she comes in and attempts to do that and maybe does. I don't know. I don't think we ever, they ever finish that. I don't think they do. No. I think I'm, they just don't do it that day. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I'm almost positive they don't do it, but I kind of forget. It. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah. So. And so, yeah, Serena definitely, I mean, even more so in these next two episodes, you kind of see her yes. in the parts of the things that she doesn't necessarily uh-huh. agree with or buy into or is maybe She's... even regretting having helped create. So I'm I'm convinced and we can get into episode seven because this is kind of what I where I went with Serena. Do you remember at the end of last season we talked about who our favorite characters were? Mm-hmm. You were there, right? Yeah. If, OK. I, I couldn't remember if you were out of town when we went through our favorite characters, but whatever we did. And. I said Serena Joy, and I know that's sort of controversial because she did, you know, have this whole, she's, she can be heartless and terrible, like when she won't let Alfred see her daughter and, or June see Hannah, you know, and you're just like, you are a terrible person, like you had such a window and you just didn't take it, but she's complicated and I kind of like that about her and I like how she kind of has this inner fight between wanting a family structure and wanting something that feels dependable and safe and also doing terrible things to get that to happen. But then also like she has a tiny piece, like one cell in her body is feminist and it's like fighting to do things. And it's came out so much in episode seven and eight that it made me so happy to see that little cell. Yeah, no, she was great. And Yvonne Strahovski's performance in both these episodes is so good. ridiculous. Um, and I, I thought it was pretty interesting just from a standpoint of, and especially in six, I think like you see her like seeing that she's terribly lonely and misses these intimate friendship relationships with Mm -hmm. women who aren't worried about the things that are happening to them around her. And, but you see that switch off when she talks about Hannah, which is interesting. But the only thing I can attribute that to is all the flashbacks we're getting is that when she sees off red. Or June, up to a point, she sympathizes with her until she remembers that she got shot by someone who wasn't down for their cause. Mm-hmm. And I think she attributes that to blanketly across the board as to all these handmaids. And so as much as she like enjoys the conversation and trying to make it all work in her head, it just can only go right up to the point where somebody that was like you, who mm-hmm. wasn't part of the inner workings of Gilead and didn't buy in is the person who shot me and the reason I can't have a baby which is what we're, I think we're supposed to assume given the placement of the gunshot um oh uh, yeah that right. was actually I liked I liked that it explained that a little bit because that was one of my main gripes in season one I was like why is Serena so young right I don't appreciate that we had to have somebody so young you know because women have that. to be young <laughs> and like you can't have an older woman you know because so when I was crabbing about that. I thought they need to explain why Serena can't have children because they need to have had a solid reason why this woman had to be 35 or whatever she is, you know? And, and so when she got shot in the hip, I was like, okay, uh, there's that. So I was happy for the explanation only because I felt like it needed to happen. And also Crystal pointed out, and I, I don't even think I looked watching this episode because maybe you don't see her do it that much, but when she's walking, Crystal says she kind of walks with a limp a little bit. At least huh. that she maybe maybe she's making that up in her head. She even said like I think, I think <laughs> and she so that would be interesting. Right. And I didn't notice that at all. But I noticed that she had a weird walk. I don't know if it's limpy, but I figured it was because because of the six inch high heels that no one wants to attribute to anything other than the magical high heels appearing. Right, and there it's a very everything about them. It's not just I'm a wife 
in Gilead of a, of a commander. It's the language she uses, the control she has over her face, her outfits, her walk. Like, to me, it's a whole persona. Mm-hmm. Um, how she shows emotion, how she processes things, just everything is about it. So I figured her tight little, like, controlled walk was very much, and it could be limpy, I don't know, but it was very much a part of, like, I'm a commander's wife, and this is this is a whole thing I do. Like, it's right. <laughs> it's head to toe. Um, yeah, and so oftentimes when we do those blanket associations, right, like, you handmaids are the reason that I can't have children because you aren't supporting my cause. You kind of have to do that in order to get to a place of anger to treat people the way that you do. You know, you can't look at June as a human and then right. two seconds later smack the hell out of her, you know, right. for for practically nothing unless you can channel the anger that you feel that is like the deepest part of your soul and what you want, which for some women is to have a baby, specifically Serena for sure. sure. And it's a powerful thing. And so she harnesses all of that and it's just horrible. And the closer association would be she wants to see her daughter. I want to have a baby. You know, like that seems like a really close yeah. association. Like that makes sense to transfer mm-hmm. over. Whereas like her weird spotty, like years ago, I was shot by a man that you've never met in a right. scenario that you have no idea about. And yet yeah. you are responsible for that in my mind. But that's what people do. That's yeah. that's how hatred and genocide. And that's how all that stuff starts is, is one event that gets associated by a whole group of people to a whole group of people or a whole, you know, situation. And so, yeah, that was, that was horrible to watch her because Offred had such hope and you had such hope for Offred. And when she shoots her down, it's just devastating. You're just like, oh my gosh. All right. So yeah, let's get right into episode seven. Um, Visually. Visually, it was incredible. The funeral was so cool. How could you not like appreciate the visual part of the funeral? All Anne Crabtree, I'm right. sure. Yeah. Like the red veils, the black, the red coffins. I mean, how cool did all of that look? It just And Aunt Lydia just... standing in her big red platform in the middle. Yes. Which was just <laughs> oh, gosh. waxing on about how she would love to give them a world that is free of violence. Which is like there's so many irony filled statements when they talk about things. Like even Fred, like talking about last episode, it was like, She needs to talk. This is America. Oh, I know. <laughs> You're like, really? This is where we're at? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it seems great. Um, the music I made a note is a song called My Life by Iris Dement, um, or Dement. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, so, yeah, the red caskets, Aunt Lydia was amazing. And so it was just a really gorgeous scene and reading all the handmaids' names out. And I wasn't sure because I wasn't sure if this was this going to be for the commanders that got killed or was this actually for the handmaids? Because I this was from the trailer. I remember us seeing it mm-hmm. and we're like, what is this even for? You know? Yes. And so it was really interesting to see that that's what they were actually taking the time to have this really be quite beautiful service mm-hmm. where they, you know, they named them and they like each moved to the, you know, the different casket after each name was read. So it was really like, even that they would even give them that much personal you know, touch. Yeah, yeah, and, like... and who knows whose credit that is to, is that a aunt Lydia thing where it's like, you know, I put all this hard work and effort in. <laughs> Some of my girls are going to get killed. Then we should at least be able to have this, you know. And it's interesting that they did because those girls, well, at least, one of them but they were all in on the bomb you know like right. it could have just been like a mass grave or something totally mm-hmm. like they treating them like animals and not like individuals and very true they all had their individual coffins and names and they did it was it was fantastic and you don't know you don't know also is that something that's just because it was a mass like mm-hmm. you know out of nowhere kind of not your everyday handmaid's dead kind of thing mm-hmm. um, because they don't seem to put a lot of stock into 
lives particularly of women or anything particularly of women. Yeah. So to, for them to go to this extent, I thought was kind of really interesting. And it had like the whole drummer boy thing going on, you know, that mm-hmm. it was like a whole deal. Like they really want to take it far back. Like that's that's some old school shit right Ugh. there. But gorgeous scene. So production value wise, pretty awesome. And Beautiful. I will say that no matter how sad the scene, whenever you read the name of Zeb, <laughs> it just really <laughs> takes you out of the takes moment. me a little bit out of the moment. I was like, <laughs> and, and as she kept reading, they kept all getting more biblical and more biblical. I'm and so sure. I was like, okay, this is just getting weird. It makes me not hate that you're all dead. I kind of tuned out when she did that. Right? I don't know why. I should have paid Zeb, attention. And I was like, no, I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> All right, so into the handmade van we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking- That has red curtains and is like still keeping with the... I just thought the visually it was so beautiful. Yeah, because in the book, I think it's described as that, right? Having the... Mm-hmm. And the yeah. But just seeing it is mm-hmm. still really cool. They even had red gloves on. Like, it was just... It was beautiful. All the details. Uh, anyway. And, and speaking of uh, not taking the time to bury any bodies, the Guardians, as we've never called them before, because I just called them the eye because it's kind of who yeah. they work for. So those are the guys on the streets, are the guys yeah. with the machine guns that we see all the time. And are those the are actual, in the book, too. The Guardian. And I totally like... Forgot haven't. about it. Yeah. Me too. Um, so they have uh, made a sweep through the uh, neighborhoods. Yeah. And that was interesting because it was just like every house. And uh-huh. it's one of those things like, you know, they don't know. They couldn't have known that quick. So they're probably just like... Going through and more making a point to everyone else as opposed to going, yeah, we know you were in on it. We're going to hang you. It was like everyone in the neighborhood had at least one person hanging, hanging from a tree, tree or from the house. It was. I was going to ask you about that because I felt like I was I missed something or something because I, so so they were just randomly hanging people. Was I supposed to know why and who was in the trees? Well, and I think you don't really get a perspective on it until later when Serena talks about how Commander Cushing, who's the guy that takes. Commander Price's place is, turned her neighborhood into yeah turned a, the na- turned the neighborhood into a war zone. So you know that they're just going around, and regardless of whether you were involved or not, okay. if they think you were, you're screwed. And so I think it was more to make a point to the rest of the people: Hey, this is what's going to happen to you if you're even remotely think you were involved with this. Okay, because that's what I assumed. But then I thought maybe I had missed something, and there was something a little bit more behind it. Personally, I just from a story standpoint i don't think realistically there could be that many people involved in it right that it's that's every why, single house on the street that's why i was confused because right? i thought well clearly one person from every single house like first of all that's too uniform like <laughs> but also yeah and it it, it it felt random yeah well and it wasn't just you know it wasn't just martha's and like no. The Kano people, it was wives, it was commanders, it was the whole, it was everybody. I saw that. And so that's why it struck me as more making a point of no matter what level you're on, you're not above the law and you're not above being involved with this if we think you are. So they're riding in this, the van, and she looks out the window, but this is after they have this conversation about the numbers. And so we finally get the number of how many are dead, 26 commanders, 31 of us, they say. Um, and then they start talking about the ones that are dead and... I forget who the one was, but then she was talking about how she was a jerk. She never washed her hair. <laughs> I was like, really? Is that what we talk about after the funeral? But, you I know. know. The tone shifted a little, and right? I was like, oh. And then there's this big thing, which comes in later, and I think it comes in more in episode eight, if I'm recalling correctly, but um, where June does not know Fake Fake Ovglin's real name, and mm-hmm. she was her shopping partner. Now, we haven't seen them like go out together very much this season. We've seen them together, but she also can't talk anymore, so there's no way she could have told her her name. Um, well, and June was gone for a bit <laughs> with 90, the whole 90, running away thing. 
91 days, I think. Yeah, Serena. months. She was gone. Yeah, Serena slapped her and <laughs> reminded her. Just to let you know, so, 91 yeah. days. I thought that was a little bit of a dig. I was like, yeah. hey, come on. Um. So, yeah, and they say it looked like, the, it looks like the eyes have been here, and that's when you see just all these people just dead. Super yeah. dead. All right, now I get to Stupid Fred. That's my official nickname now. It's okay. it. He's officially got one. Stupid Fred. Yeah. I don't know what else to put it. It can't be Creepy Fred because he's beyond creepy. Well, and he is also stupid. Yes. So <laughs> He's not good at anything. He's not. I was just thinking about that yesterday. It's so weird. I thought, God, he can't even do anything right. Like, there was an... Well, we'll get to that in episode eight, but there was a couple situations that he had a choice of handling, and I thought, yeah, you couldn't even figure out how to fucking handle that, Fred. Like... Jesus. Yeah, I'd say he took one way too far and one not far enough. And I was like, you're an idiot. Well, depends on whose perspective you're looking at. I think Fred probably thinks he handled shooting the wife in the head as opposed to the husband the right way. And also, what happened to that husband? Yeah, I know. Right? I thought about that, I too. Think about that. You think he'll come back in any way? <laughs> like we're going to get the rest of that story? I don't know. That would be interesting. I'd like to know. Maybe they just hung him somewhere. They seem to like that. Yeah, but... What's the point of living with the trauma of watching his That's wife true. die if he's going to die anyway? All right, so stupid Fred. Serena's yeah. talking to Fred. Fred is in rough shape. Everyone that comes in, including uh, uh, Commander Cushing, who we learned his name, and uh, one arm Putnam comes in. Everybody's <laughs> a little worse for wear, right? Everybody's got a little scar, a little, uh, you know, banged up, some bruises. Um, they, tell, they tell Serena and all the viewers that, Hey, guess who died? Oh, the guy, the commander that you actually probably liked the most out of all the commanders that you hate. The one that had a little bit of hope. <laughs> yeah. And that's where all the viewers are like, ah, oh, I knew it. I knew that's what they were going to do. That's was, what HMT does. They I lift you up just to tear you down. I told you. So Nick had just had that conversation with Commander Price about getting transferred, and Commander Price knows how big of an idiot Fred is, and you're like, okay, that one, that one's doing stuff. And then, nope. no, he died. Nope. So my notes on here, and as again, I said I just write these when I think the message. Nick is hosed. Yeah. He won't get his hand. He won't get his transfer. June won't be protected. It's not good. Now, not all of that necessarily comes to be the way that I imagined it to be. No. Um, but that was my first impression. I was like, oh, Nick is hosed. And Nick looked. The look on Nick's face too is like this combination of motherfucker. I know. And like, oh shit, what am I gonna do? Well, and I think. Cushing or somebody picked up on it because I feel like they looked over at Nick and said something to Nick like were you close to him yeah Putnam says are you close to him Cushing looks over at him and you know Cushing's kind of this weaselly eye guy who's kind of suspecting something of everyone and I think he's the type of weaselly guy that is right more than Uh he's wrong but nobody likes him so it doesn't matter right which comes into play later exactly Yes, and so when he when when Fred couldn't hide his face about it, I was like, oh no, because then they look at him, they talk to him a bit, and you're like, oh shit, they know it's Fred yep. or they know it's Nick. Like, get your face so, together, Nick. The other thing that we didn't talk about is when Cushing comes in, he touches Serena's hand. I saw that as a clear power move, right? Like, wow. Yeah, he was kind of very much establishing, like, I'm in power now, so sit sit the well, down. And when you learn later that, um, where they uh. They went on vacation with them yeah. <laughs> when they were still couples before, as right. Serena puts it. Um, you kind of get maybe the impression that you're supposed to get there is that maybe he had a thing for Serena back then even. Oh. Um, and that that's part of the, like, just in case Fred doesn't make it out of this. Like, I I'm gonna, I'll be the first one to touch your hand. And that, I don't know, is that how you claim things in that Gilead? Will, yeah, that will establish <laughs> us. Well, because that's a, I mean... If you can't even look at each other or have sex without procreation, a, a hand touch has got to be exhilarating. A cushion walks in, <laughs> dibs. <laughs> right. I, we brushed each other as I walked by. And... Let the record show the cushion made first contact with Serena, therefore she belongs to him. Well, I mean, that would make sense in their warped 
<laughs> Anything reality. is possible, right? You know? Uh, but yeah, I saw it as a power move, not as a staking claim. I saw it as like a, I, I, I'm in power now. It just gave me a little more intimate feel than that. Like it was more of a, like he was trying to, I guess, comfort her, but in the creepiest way possible. Because well, he's yeah. just a creepy looking guy. We talked about this before because you were trying face. to figure out where you'd seen him before. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him in anything, but I was like, he's just one of those guys who's got a, there's a weird. I, he plays the Weasley character very well because of his face. Yeah. So then he uh, gets super close to Fred. Which is another creep of, I'm going to find everybody that did this. I know. I saw that, again, as a power move of like, now I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want right. because I'm going to do it in the name of avenging Fred. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and a lot of things are done in the name of other things yep. in lots of different Sorry. scenarios, actually, surprisingly. <laughs> um, and I saw, okay, well, yeah, there's his there's his green light to himself and to everybody else in the room to be a total, like, mass murderer, crazy psycho, and he did. <laughs> he did indeed. Well, and he says when he comes in, the Lord saves his most something deeds for those who are truly faithful or some crap. Right. Like basically saying, I'm better than everybody. Again, so, I'm doing this out of faith. Time to go down. and Shit's about to get real. Right. And yeah. so I thought, well, he's getting all the permission he needs from himself, so ready, set, go for yeah. this. And, idiot. you know, Putnam's not arguing with anyone, so... No, God. Ever since the Janine incident, that right. man can't say a word. He knew. He's an idiot too. He's he's more of an idiot than Fred, if that's possible. That is, it is possible, and he it's is. a close tie. But yeah, Fred Fred or Warren takes the lead. Warren, and even his face is dumb. Just dumb. Don't ruin Warren for me. Can we not call him Warren? Because whenever I think Warren, I think Empire Records, and that's a good Warren, Stop and I want to like that Warren. Me Warren. Stop calling me Warren. My name's not Who glued Warren. all the pennies to the floor? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Okay, I'll call him Warren Putnam from there now we go. on. All right, so now we're off to the colonies. Ba-ba-ba-da-da-da. Now they're all walking toward the biodomes, as I call them. I don't know what else to call them. I'm sure there's a real name. <laughs> You're making a Shore movie I'm making reference. Polly Shore and... Uh, What's the illegitimate? Stephen Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> Sarah, you knew that. That was a test. You yeah. Oh, I've seen it more times than I'd like You've to admit. You've seen Biodome? Yes. That is amazing. More than one time. I've seen more than my fair share of Polly Shore movies, so I can't talk. But Biodome was well after my uh, Polly Shore doesn't need to be in my life anymore. I get it, but I watched Biodome several times. I believe I saw In the Army Now was the last okay, one I, I didn't saw. didn't see that one. In the theater. Okay, see, you saw it in the theater. You can't be worse than me. I saw Son-in-Law in the theater, and that was... Oh, Son-in-Law was good, though. Son-in-Law is hilarious. Yeah, no, it it stands up. I don't know about that. We well, should watch that. I Yeah. All right, so the unwomen, as they call them, are yes. walking towards the biodomes, and then here the eyes show up. Wee, 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 here they come. Yes. And you know, you know, you know what's going to happen. Uh, like... I didn't see that Well, coming. no, I take that back. I didn't know what was going to happen up until the point where they started pulling women out. And yeah. I was like, okay, we're going to take Janine and Emily somewhere. And then I guess now that there's, what was it, 31 less handmaids, handmaids, that's where they got to get them. Yeah. I thought that was cool, though, that Janine got another shot because I, I, well, I know that's Is that what we're calling it? Well, not another shot. I mean, she was certain death in the colonies. And so I thought maybe more time to live. And what ends up happening with Jean is so incredible. But, but I thought, I thought Jean was so, Janine was so far gone and she's so just loopy and crazy. I thought they would never let her into any situation. Well, it's ever interesting. Again. And we have an interview posted. I think I posted it a couple weeks ago. I think after the first or second episode, um, Jennifer White did at the press day that we had her go to did an interview with Madeline Brewer. Mm-hmm. And so she talked about Janine and it kind of surprised me in that she was like, she says, Janine is not crazy. 
Janine just goes to that place and that she is like the eternal optimist. So when she turns that on and she's talking like everything is roses and sunshine, that is her really more of a power move for her to have to just that's how she makes it through and that's how she's going to not let them take away her life and take away all their things and that's how she makes it through and get yeah, that is not necessarily her like broken mentally that is really just how she is handling it and viewing it and reacting to it in order for her to get through and for order, order for them not to really be able to take all of her soul away i get that but in season one when she went up on the bridge and she had the baby and all that sort of stuff that's when I thought she was crazy. Well, she explains that. And I won't ruin that for everybody. I will tell you about it later. But okay. it's in, in, the, in the interview. And so it was posted a couple weeks ago. still available on the iTunes or the App Store. So you can listen. you can go check it out. It's pretty good. It's only like a 10-minute interview. And she okay. definitely goes into that part of it and the bridge. Because she kind of extrapolates that to the bridge scene. Mm-hmm. And why people maybe view it a little differently than what she actually was doing. So. But yeah, I get the roses and sunshine stuff. Yeah. And Janine is hilarious. Like right. even in this episode, <laughs> she's too funny in the marketplace where they're at. Oh my god, <laughs> she's great. She is great. There was also something she did in season one in the in the um, the gymnasium when they're all learning how to be handmaids, or they were trying to first introduce the idea of handmaids to the women. Mm-hmm. Janine freaks out. Something happens to Janine, right? Like she freaks out. And they're like, keep your shit together, Yeah, that was, the, that was the only time where, because she's kind of up against the window. She gets up in the middle of the night. And Moira yes. is the one that goes over there. And she's like, keep your shit together because that is contagious. Basically yes. what she's saying is like, if you start losing it, other people are going to get triggered and start losing it too. And so that's really the only time. That's probably why that's that everybody why. gets the impression that she's like that. So yeah, I guess it's not from a writing show standpoint, we can't be blamed. She's she's loopy to me, okay? Yeah. Like I I don't think she's totally stable. I get why she does what she does in certain times. I understand, especially when she first shows up to the colonies. Right. I'm totally getting what she's trying to do. Um but because of those things, I thought there's no way they're going to bring her back. She's going <laughs> to rot in the colonies. So uh, I was psyched to see her back in the game. When you need them, you need them. I guess you got to get them from anywhere. True, as she is fertile, so. Uh so little America Ba 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 ba, back up to Canada, which is good because we haven't been to Canada in a number of episodes. I know. Uh, so they're basically at the government building, um, and they are announcing the bombing. Moira is there with Luke, and they're trying to figure out who was killed. And Moira is very interested to know if June was one of the killed mm-hmm. uh, handmaids, but they basically don't have names until later in the episode, um, so they're not really sure. Luke seems very uninterested. Yeah. Um, in whether. June is alive, and he makes this line of "Have faith that she's alive," and Moira is wanting to know if she's alive. So I don't know. It's an interesting viewpoint from Luke's side in that I, I think some people will make think like he just doesn't care. For me, it's more of a in my mind she's alive. She needs to stay alive in my right. mind, and anything else is not going to do me any good. I I totally got that. I didn't think he didn't care at all. Okay. I thought I might I might do something similar to that myself until I had to 100% face it and somebody forced it on me. I might I might do the same thing. I may not want to know. So when he did that, I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, I didn't think he didn't care. But like they clearly have two totally different coping strategies because Moira only wants to know everything and right. he wants to know nothing. And so you can see how different Lee, they handle it and you know those people you know right. there are some people who would want to know everything and that would be slightly more comforting for, for them and then you know those people who want to know nothing i mean it's 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 very much yeah, the, the head in the sand approach to where <laughs> you know 
it's a until common something thing. is like on top of me. I'm not even going to worry or think about it. Because I need to be in my headspace right yep. now. Uh, so we get a flashback here, which is interesting. So we get Moira, Hannah, Luke, and June, and they're at this restaurant cafe. And we learn that uh, we, this is uh, episode's awesome because we do get this incredible Moira backstory. I know. Which is just heartbreaking, but really oh. cool to see them finally flush out like a little bit of her character and things that we didn't know anything about with her. Like this one where she is giving up, she's going to be a surrogate for this couple and for $250,000 so she can pay off her student loans and, you know, get some things going in her life. And so we get to learn that. And I thought that was crazy because you'd never even like alluded to that in any of this. So, you know, we, not that we spent, we don't get her in huge chunks to get a lot of a, you know, idea. And she doesn't seem like the type of person with the coping strategies that she has, especially with like her and Luke and her talking shit all the time is one of her like deflecting things. Uh-huh. Doesn't seem like the type of person to voluntarily delve into her past or personal life voluntarily. No, and at first you think that her learning about the unidentified dead people, you think it's going to be about the baby. And you always see these adoption stories on TV or in real life, adoption stories where somebody thinks that they can give up a child for adoption and they can't because they become too emotionally attached to the child, which is totally understandable. And that's exactly where I thought this was going. And I was ready to go there emotionally (laughs) with it. And then it didn't. And I actually really liked that it became about a significant relationship that Moira had, but not with the child. And at first I thought when she gives up the baby to the British couple, I thought, oh no, she's going to freak out. Mm -hmm. She's going to grab the baby. Like it's going to be her baby. And then you realize, well, no, no, she doesn't have a baby in the later flashbacks that we've seen right. where the takeover happens. And then you're like, okay, it's going to tear her up somehow that she can't be with the baby. Like, you're just thinking it's going to be all about the baby and it's not. And I thought that was super cool. Not not because I can't understand the other scenario. Oh, sure. Seen it, cry about it all the time. Like, I can't handle my emotions when those sorts of things happen. Um, but it was so neat. It was different, and I liked that it was a little different. So that was super cool. And I liked that the couple that adopted the baby were British. <laughs> yes. You have some hope for that baby, too. Right. Baby is not here. I didn't even think about that. That's awesome. I didn't, right. totally didn't think about the fact that we don't even have to worry about that baby being no. in America. That no. baby is... <laughs> in the UK, <laughs> safely eating tea and crumpets or whatever. <laughs> the writers gave us... They threw us one. They threw us a bone. I know. They're like... Hey, they never do that. Right. They never do. So cr- kudos to you, writers, <laughs> if you're listening. No, thank you for letting I us at least that. have one you know, ounce of things that we can be happy about when we know Sarita's, or Moira's baby is safe with the British couple. Yep. Wow. That's hilarious. I didn't even think about that. I know. So I was worried. we get back there and uh, she is going through these records. She does talk about, you know, looking for uh, Odette. Yeah. And so then we get another flashback. There's like all these little quick flashbacks in this episode of mm-hmm. her getting the ultrasound. And so June is kind of being her coach and being her partner. And they do another, uh, your baby is the size of fill in the food. Yeah. And so this time it's a uh, Brussels sprout, mm. which is funny. Is that a thing? I don't remember having so many, uh, your baby is the size of this no. conversations. when My babies were always fruit. They were never vegetables, but I did get many <laughs> fruits. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was, well, one for every month. And it was in a book I got because mm. I was banned from the internet very early on. Yes. If you remember, <clears throat> your wife was a part of that yes. banishment. <laughs> I do. Um, anyway, so I had a book and the book each with each new month so it wasn't like every week i was like figuring out the difference between a clementine and a you know plum or something it was more like every week um was a different fruit but i didn't get any vegetables but yeah it's definitely a thing even on the internet and i'm sure i'm 
sure that it happened. I just do not recall it at all. Now I've had a lot longer between than, yeah. um, than you have. So uh, yeah, when it got to the size of watermelon, I was like, I'm not even talking. looking. Because <laughs> after a while, it gets probably gets a little more disconcerting as to the size of the thing that is inside you, right? Right. Yeah. And so you're just like, I don't want to know. No, we got past like cantaloupe or something, and I was like, I can't breathe. Literally can't breathe. <laughs> I can't get out a full <laughs> sentence without taking a deep breath, so I don't need to know the size of the fruit. We just need to have this baby now. <laughs> Please. <laughs> these these babies. Um, okay, so Moira is then going through the binders, and they do show like the the yes. whole section that is just the kids, which... I had a lot it? of mental questions about I that. I did too. <laughs> My, what was your first, what was your initial thought there? Well, I, whenever you see a photograph, you have to think somebody somewhere took that picture. And so I thought to myself, who first of all, who was allowed to take these pictures? Mm. Because like, especially if they got in the hands of the Canadian, you know, mm-hmm. government or embassy or whatever that was, or it was the American embassy in Canada or whatever, wherever they were. Right. Exactly. So first of all, who took these photos? Second of all. Was that the same person who was able to keep them and then binder them in this Canadian, you know, government building or whatever? So that that's what I was thinking, I guess. I thought, okay, I understand that people in totalitarian governments or, you know, regimes like these, they do document a lot of things. Like the Nazis had impeccable documentation of everything that they did, including photographs and all that sort of stuff. So, but then when that whole thing went down, historians and people got a hold of all of those records and that's how we are able to see photos right. of the Holocaust and things like that. But the, 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 uh, you know, Gilead is still going. going. Yeah. So who was releasing these photos or who was able to be in those scenarios and get all those photos? And those records were pretty well kept. It wasn't like eight photographs that we were able no. to snag on a Tuesday when nobody caught us. Right. It was like the, it was pretty comprehensive, yeah. I guess. It was a large collection. Like even just the section of kids yeah. was huge. So who allowed that to happen in such that's a, a controlled question. environment? I, that that was my thing. So Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think about that part of it. But yeah, that's right. I don't know who, how you get those photos to begin with. So maybe that's a pothole. It could be, only because they seem to have such a tight handle on everything. And a lot of the stuff was done in, I think, like mass situations, like um, uh, the Boston Globe, I'm oh, sure, was sure. just a massacre. And yeah. so I don't think there was like individual bodies laid out mm-hmm. so that people could take pictures and go, oh, that was person A or person B. I don't know. Unless they have somebody on the inside. Maybe yeah. That's... Which could be a thing. Yeah. And and it's not it's not uncommon to document these right. things. Right. And it could have been somebody, if you're thinking like out loud here, this could have been someone that had those and escaped, brought them with them and said, here is this ridiculously large cache of, you know, <sighs> yeah, Who bodies knows? and dead people. And my only, my initial thought was when they showed the children and I was like, this whole society is based on we need children. So why go through the trouble of killing the children? I wonder if a part of it isn't worthy children versus unworthy children. But they kept Hannah. Right. And Hannah's, you know, the product of like a fallen woman mm-hmm. or whatever they called June. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, yeah, and it could have it, it could have been like what you were saying where it's collateral damage, you know, where if there was like mass bombings or they bombed like a, you know, went after a whole bunch of people and just said just there's going to be it mow it all down regardless of who's there. That could definitely be. I could see that. So Well, and above a certain age, <clears throat> it's hard to indoctrinate someone because like children really do start thinking for themselves at a certain point or they right. can remember their life mm-hmm. before. 
Yeah, so I did I did think like surly teenagers. I could you know, once you get to a certain age you're like, Okay, you're more trouble than you're worth and we're probably not gonna be able to flip you the other direction. Right. So especially after puberty, there's something there that like your brain waves. <laughs> there's a lot change. of things there. Uh, but the only other thing I can think of with the pictures is maybe like if this all wasn't happening at one time or was happening in waves and maybe journalists had access to like the aftermath of these events and had pictures so maybe like journalists escaped and had mm-hmm. photos so i don't know it's just that's an interesting part of it to think about uh so we get the next scene which is june back home um she's packing up her funeral handmaid's outfit in very a nice little lovingly. box it was very uh, artistically done it was a great shot from above with the mm-hmm. suitcase and i don't know if that's like the only thing that lives in there you just do they have just, like just is that like i want to go to is there a closet and they have everything marked in the suitcase like funeral outfit you know, like Easter outfit. No, I don't think like, they have an Easter outfit. I wanted like, to have like pastels. Pastel, yeah. Pink. Like lilac. There you go. That'd be awesome. Uh, so we get Rita comes in and uh, she says, there's someone here to see you. <laughs> and the music tells us that we should be very afraid. That was my one thing in right. this scene. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the hell was happening. I thought maybe, Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know either. Well, and when they first showed him, I couldn't tell if it was him or Nick. Like, it kind of looked like Nick from the back, just his profile. And so then he turned around. I was like, it's Cushing. Um, So Rita does not want to leave, which is interesting. Yeah. She's like trying to like make sure she's in the room. He dismisses her and then she doesn't go immediately. Yeah, she is uh, hesitant. Which is interesting. And I thought, what are you going to do to protect her, Rita? Like, Maybe she's got a knife. Yeah. Well, and I got the sense that like because... June is pregnant is the only reason right. she hung back, but I don't know. Everyone in this scenario looks very fair, except for Cushing, who's very pleased with himself. In control. Generally on every level. Um, so he questions her. Yeah, he questions her, and he's trying to figure out, you think you're trying to figure out, like, is she involved with the bombing herself? But he drives it right to Fred, which I thought was really interesting, like... You know, telling her you can trust me, and then he asks if Fred was involved, and you're like, "Oh, now I see." He's yes. trying to get Fred to be on this, you know, involvement, and that's really interesting. Given, especially given that he, when he called dibs on Serena by touching her hand yeah. earlier, right? Seen that? He's looking for a, an excuse to get right. rid of Fred, which I'm sure but, other ones are too. Yeah, but later on, and see, I don't know, so I don't know if because like June was saying when she talks to Serena later. You know, they killed what's his name's uh, Ovglin's family that she was living with, the family she was with. Mm-hmm. They killed everybody in that house, like yeah. regardless of who it was. So I don't know if he's like really just targeting the Waterfords as a whole or if he's making a play for Fred. I don't, you don't really ever find out, like if it's a I want everybody in this house. Uh, done. I feel like it's just Fred, especially because Fred is an idiot and <laughs> they know it. They know it. Oh, remember that golf outing? <laughs> they were like, Fred, he yes, sucks. He was amazing. <laughs> Um, um, and June keeps, I was taken against my will. <laughs> I know. That was so fun to see them acknowledge that situation in a real way. Right. Because you thought that they were going to go with that forever. And then he's like, shush. <laughs> you know you escaped. Yeah. What was the line I wrote? Down? Was, Our republic is under siege. We do not have the luxury of fairy tales. I know. Which is a great line. And it's then, like, and then he's walking out. And once again, someone touches her stomach. Everybody does that when you're pregnant. But damn. This yeah. Is, yeah. Not in a pleasant way. It's not at all. Oh, congratulations, by the way. Gotta go. 
It's a power play. I feel like every Everything. touch with him is like, I'm in control here. You should feel physically intimidated by me and also mentally and emotionally. Like, it's just, I felt it all being power plays because he is clearly trying to establish himself as a power player now that the explosion has happened. He sees these first few moves that he makes as really big, important moves to set that scene of, I'm in control now. But it doesn't work. It, it makes me so happy. So good, right? Because <laughs> you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a problem. Yeah. But, like, it's it's building hard. Yeah, that does not end up that way, but he no! uh, definitely establishes himself very True. early. Yeah, which um, is, I guess, what you would need to do in a situation like that. That's, some, that's how you handle it. Uh, Cushing, he leaves, because there's a little bit of a ruckus outside, we hear. Yeah. And uh, he goes out, and June looks out the window, and then there's, like, a Martha in the street, and there's an interesting kind of interaction here, which later on, because I couldn't understand what she was saying, but later on, they're making, somebody's talking about it, and... June makes the comment that she was trying to show him her pass. Like, I guess you, to be outside, walking somewhere, you have to have a pass. Okay. Because you hear her say something like, it's right here, sir, or it's right here. And mm-hmm. she goes to reach in her pocket, and that's when he shoots her. And so then she, like, walks. He walks. Cushing walks over the body, which is another power play, which right. is a very, like, I don't care. I don't give a shit about this dead person. And it was a Martha, right? Yes. So at first, I know this is goofy. Maybe this is, I don't know where my head was, but I thought it was Rita at first because I didn't see Rita. Oh. And I didn't know if he was like pissed at Rita for staying when he clearly had dismissed her or right. what, if he gave a crap or if he was trying to establish in Fred and Serena's house, like, look what I'm going to do here. I don't know. It wasn't Rita, thank goodness. But at first, second, I thought, was that Rita? Because it was so far away out the window that I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I was supposed to, like, it was clear, like, purposefully ambiguous or if i was supposed to be able to know who it was i don't know i didn't think it was her it was a little too short it was shorter and amanda bruegel was fairly tall commanding (laughs) commanding for lack of a better word there you go all right back to stupid fred at the hospital so then they bring june to the hospital now there's going to be a couple moments here where i have a very justin moment and question a lot of things that happen at the end of the scene with her and nick but let's start here uh so she's there to see serena and fred and i guess it's because the baby you know has to to come with her yeah. <laughs> the vessel has to come with the baby, I guess. Correct. But when he came, when she first came in, he was like, you know, Serena was like, our baby's safe. And he's like, oh, good. And you're like, oh, that, that's your reaction? When you first find out that the baby is okay, you're like, oh, good. Well, oh. clearly he doesn't, I mean, he acts like he cares. I don't know. Can't tell if he cares. Because when he came in to give her the picture of Hannah and felt her up and tried to get in her pants, it seemed to be a means to an end, you know? Right. Well, yeah, and she had just been through this horrible episode where she was bleeding so much and the baby was maybe not okay. Yeah, we had literally bleeding. just gotten home from, hey, I somehow, somehow wound out, out the window, um, which was still a point of debate. Like, uh, people still don't know. I heard three things, which make me, one of them makes exceed, me exceedingly happy that someone thought this. One, my thought was that she jumped because fuck this. Yeah. Uh, the second one was she fell out because she was just, she had lost so much blood that she'd just fell out the window, no. which was not my first impression. Uh-uh. The other one, great conspiracy theory, was that Serena pushed her out of the window. <laughs> I was like, that's fantastic. I hope that's true. <laughs> no. She jumped. She was nuts. I mean, just for the show, I could just see getting like a flashback and being like, bah! It's like, well, no one saw that coming. No, no, Serena cares way too much about that baby, and I can't believe the baby survived. <sighs> I really don't know many scenarios where a baby would survive a fall like that, right. but maybe it happens. I don't know much about Yes. 
There's a lot about that fall that no one knows or understands. And I don't think we're ever going to really learn. I don't know that we're supposed to. No. I think we're supposed to say. I believe that is one of those willful suspension of disbelief moments. Which is fine. And we all have those. So, uh, yeah. Serena puts Fred's hand on June's stomach. So, once again. And uh, Fred says, you're bigger. Okay. Which is not, fellas out there who don't have a pregnant partner yet. It's not the opening line. No. That's not not the one you go for. No. It's not any line, really. No. You don't need to say it. Uh, Serena then kind of looks at Fred and he's like, oh, I know that look. And then she's like, the commander needs his rest. Time for you to go. Mm-hmm. Not fun and games. Uh, so then Nick's outside and you can hear Nick kind of, Nick is now kind of in charge, which is interesting, right? Because Nick is like outrunning the guardians and he's running the dudes in the street and he's kind of, you know, telling everybody what to do, which I did not expect. You know, I thought Nick was hosed once Price was gone, but he seems to like be taking over in like a little bit of position of power. He's figuring it out. Um, so she talks to him, and this is where she says she was just reaching for his pass, and he shot. Mm-hmm. He shot her, and they. You could hear him earlier. I pointed out that she said it's right here, sir, or something to that effect. Uh, talked about bleeding in the street, and he didn't even do anything, which I thought made an allusion to the Michael Brown case, where the body was in the street for so long, and it was Hours. very similar the way they handled the shot, the way they shot this scene was very similar to the way when you see that video. It was a long time. Yes. Uh, Nick hugs June because they still like to make bad decisions in the worst places <laughs> was my immediate comment. I was like, seriously, we just got blown up. The important people that we wanted to get blown up didn't get blown up. This Cushing guy is nuts. Yeah. And here we are at the end of the hallway at the hospital hugging it up like everything's cool. Well, and this is right after the bombing, so there's so much security. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he was like, <laughs> what are they doing? They're going to get caught. That is so so dumb and i'm like i know and then nick with his brotastic line of the day i'm not gonna let anything happen to you shut shut up dope (laughs) you don't have control of the situation stop acting like you do whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen you dodo god idiot uh june says well what about you because she's concerned about him for some reason yeah Um, uh, you're pregnant june you need to stop worrying about nick please stop worrying about Nick. he'll be fine Clearly, right? Because Price was his guy, and now Nick's like out running the show in the streets. So right. we're gonna be all right. Uh, so they kiss, and they kiss like for real, like like, like in a makey outy, like, like in a for real, like we're going, going at a, it, going a direction. You don't kiss. notice people around you or the world around you going on kiss. Yeah, yeah, and they were barely hidden. Like it was like a glass brick wall, and not even a full one. It, it was not even a real hiding place. No, it was terrible. <laughs> even little kids hide better than that. <laughs> and then June walks away and she just looks mad. Yeah. And I didn't really know what she was mad at other than Nick not handling that situation I very guess. well. I guess. Like Nick, I don't know. Maybe I I kind of get the impression that this is the umpteenth time that a man, regardless of who it is, has told her that she's going to he's going to take care of her gonna and nothing's going to happen to her. Yeah. And that she's probably at the end of her rope with that whole. Well, and Luke was the narrative. same way. Well, right. it's, it's fine, June. I'll take care. It's not weird at all that you have to have my permission to buy your birth control. Come on, dude. You need to evacuate. Oh. Anyway. So we get back to the house. Serena walks in on June, who's having a little midnight snack, I guess, because, you know, baby's got to eat when the baby's got to eat. Uh, she tells her to go to bed, and she says, right now the baby needs Twinkies, but we're compromising. And I didn't see what she was actually eating, because obviously there's probably no Twinkies in Gilead, nor would they give the pregnant handmaid Twinkies, because not the best Nutritional. thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine like Aunt Lydia would pop out of a corner somewhere. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, give her that smoothie that right? makes her throw up. Here you go. And so this is uh, when they kind of have this. Uh, and then, like, I didn't even notice in this shot where Serena goes and finds the good scotch again. 
So she walked over there with a. I thought oh. that's what it was, and maybe I that wasn't that. what it was because I did not see where she got the liquid that was in the drink, but it looked like it was very much of the the good Scotch variety, like her and Rita drank last year. I didn't. And see so that. then she talks about Ray and Sonia, who are Cushing and his wife, and that's when she gives this whole backstory of that we used to go, you know, vacationing with them at Antigua, and I know. this whole thing, and you're like, oh, fuck you guys. I know. I was gonna say, so your life was so bad before you needed to overthrow the government. You were vacationing in Antigua with people, like, right? Shut it's up. Brutal. Um, so this is when June decides to reveal that, uh, hey, Cushing came by. Just so you know, FYI, he wants to know if you're all in on it. This is bad news for everybody. And so, yeah, she makes the point of telling the story about, you know, um, Ofglin's household being basically murdered. Yeah. And is really, like, you can see on her face, holding this over Serena. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, another power play that she's got. Um, whether, you know, at this point, I think she just takes them when she can get them, regardless of whether thinking a few steps ahead about the repercussions of these. But she's, they're kind of building this truce relationship thing, kind of. It's shaky. I know it's not like a great deal, but like they've got a thing where they're starting to at least try to vaguely understand each other. So when June threw it out, I took it as like a, you know, you know, this is bad and you know why. And so. I'm here if you need help figuring this situation oh, out. Like I kind of took it as like we this need needs to, to get taken together. care of. Yeah, like for for me and you and the baby mm-hmm. and like everybody. So they have this like growing again temporary shaky alliance thing. I don't know. I kind of took it as like so. What are we gonna do about this motherfucker? You know? Yeah, and you know, I guess that's true. Like even if they just killed Fred, what happens to all of them? Right. You know, and Serena and, you know, are they, they going to let Serena Fred. keep that baby and, are, right. you know, all But of they that. don't need Cushing. No, they do not, clearly. <laughs> uh, so Serena tells her that Fred wouldn't allow that. And June's like, FYI, Fred, not here. So yeah. <laughs> how about we try and make some shit happen? And they do, indeed, but not, ah! before, not before we end up in little America. Yeah. Uh, with Moira continuing to look through the book. Uh, Luke is nice enough to bring her dinner. So mm-hmm. he is taking care of her, as it were. Yeah, he, I think he does what he can, you know, <laughs> Luke. Um, and Odette yeah. is amazing and perfect, but everybody in your memories is always amazing and perfect. But still, she is she just seems incredible, and they have this, like, fiery connection, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lamaze class, what did you think of that? Oh, that little scene. I almost forgot that little scene. I thought that was super cool. I liked how, you know, your friends, friends you've had a long time, friends that you're close to, they rarely do things that, like, upset you because you guys know each other well. But every once in a while, something like that can happen in a friendship where they'll kind of step out of bounds in a way that you know isn't real. You know that they're just really out of control of their feelings or they're really you know overwhelmed or something and i thought it was so cool how june june handled that because she was like you and luke are perfect because june was saying like oh i used to have to rub my feet every night and uh she was like you and luke are perfect or stop throwing your perfect marriage in front of my face and june was like listen here (laughs) (laughs) and it was perfect the way she handled it and then they snapped right back into their regular groove and i thought that is so good that is so exactly what a good friend would do Mm -hmm. when you when you know that your friend is feeling things and like projecting them onto you. And you're like, wait, no. Cause she could have easily been like, what? Right. And then they could have gone back and forth. It could have been a whole thing, but she was like, no, no, no. He's an infant. You fucking know this. <laughs> Let's move on. We all know. This. Don't throw this crap at me right now. And she was like, 
oh, you had to wear orthopedic shoes? And then it totally <laughs> lightens the moan again, yep. and you're like, ah, oh, yep. that is so what two people who know each other really well would do. Yep. And it was such a neat, neat little flashback between the two of them. The relationship is so cool. I, it's there, not perfect. It's, no, it's great. It's, but I love the June-Moira dynamic. I think they're Yeah, cool. they do a really good job of making no one in this scenario or really characters in this show perfect one right. way or the other, you know? Yeah. They're never just one thing. Uh, so Nick, he walks up to the Nick Cave, as I've come to call it, because he seems to appear out of nowhere from there, and then he appears back there. And what an awkward cave it is these <laughs> days. Uh, so this scene in particular, Serena is waiting in the dark. I guess so that Nick would not be um, particularly aware that someone was waiting for him, but I did find it was interesting that Serena was waiting for him in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is now kind of laying the foundation for this plan of theirs, which is going to be basically to change these security orders, have Fred sign them, and then have their shit go down so that Serena can get things back in order, as it were. Um, so <laughs> Nick is kind of looking at what Nick has no choice, right? I mean, what's Nick going to do? Like, tell her no? Yeah. Yeah. So, I but did, I think Nick's sort of rooting for it. Like uh, Nick knows. Nick's like, oh, I see what you're doing there. But I did find like, this because he could have lied. He could have been like, no, I don't know Never anything about that. Uh, I did find that this was the, one of the things that I laughed about was this. The title of the thing was, "Have you ever helped the commander submit warrants to the counselor of divine law?" I noticed I was, that. I was like, "Good lord!" I rewatched that. I like did a backwards ten seconds thing and was like, "Did she really call it the counselor?" Like, it was just like, oh, my God. Another one. Like, pray Vaganza. Oh, listen to yourself. Uh, so, Moira, back in Little America, flashback of Moira holding her son, uh, Gavin, which I didn't... At first, you're like, whose baby is what's happened? I didn't... That wasn't what I thought this scene was going to be. And so, I was like, wait, who's... What? What? Oh. So, this is like the giving them to the couple scene. And the, this, yeah, I was with you where I thought she was going to, like, Have freak a out a little bit. But she... Didn't. She did it. And... You know, as heartbreaking as that is, you know, you see the couple and they're happy and it's the way it's, yeah. that situation is supposed to end. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I wasn't wild about June. You know how June went to the ultrasound with her and they she didn't want the photo? Yeah. I wasn't wild about June stepping in there. I thought, I thought, June, say it one time. But then after that, if she says no, she doesn't want right. it. And this is the way it has to go for her. You're not the one giving up a baby. She is. So if she doesn't want an ultrasound photo, she doesn't. Or maybe you get it later and hold on to it, and then if she ever comes to you and asks about it, but, like, you don't pursue it. So, yeah, no. But she handled it really in the way that she said she would. Yep. So I was actually kind of, yeah, it didn't go the direction, like I said, right. that I thought it would. And so we this, meet Odette. Yeah, and then we do get to meet Odette, which is pretty cool. And it was a little awkward for me just thinking of, like, her being the doctor and then, like, especially the OB, yeah. you know? And it's When at first I thought... Moira's acting so awkward that it's more awkward simply because of the way Moira's acting right now. And she immediately mentions her vagina and you're like, Moira. <laughs> Which is totally Moira though, right? That's like, right. that's her defense, right? Is to say the like outlandish Weirdest awkward thing, thing yeah. right? Just because she's an OB doesn't mean she is right now in this like wine market thing that you're at or whatever. Um, but then they kind of lock eyes and like Odette kind of gives her like the, the like happy smile mm-hmm. and like the intensely long eye contact. And right. you're like, oh. Uh, and Moira, okay. in this, this is really the first scene where we've seen her, like, she has this goof, that goofy grin you get when you're like, I like you, you like me? Huh? Yeah, I like you. Wine? Like vagi- vagina. Wine? <laughs> That's so true. Right? And it's one of those things you can't even control your own face, because if you like somebody, you just do. So you're just like, huh. 
Oh, yeah. And it was um, awesome. It was pretty awesome. And Odette is not hard to look at oh, as far as that goes. No. So, uh, she, I get yeah, it. Odette was, I was going to make a point to point out that Odette was fantastically good looking. looking. Yeah. Good looking woman, so <laughs> not a bad choice. Um, okay, back to June and Serena. Uh, Cushing is paying a house call. Yes. And. Oh, snap. This is what I put. Oh, snap. Serena set this motherfucker up. Yeah. <laughs> came out of my mouth. It was so satisfying. Oh, it was awesome. See? Serena's got something in there. gets out and those vans pull up and you're like, oh, no. Ha-ha. And it's great how they set that scene, right? So Serena's in the door uh-huh. and June's in the window the <laughs> and Nick's like out on the street and it just like happens. And they're mm-hmm. all just like in different spots. They're all watching. Like, like cornering him. Uh-huh. Oh, it was Awesome. What a great... Uh, the women have exacted some revenge, is what I said. Finally. And it was at Serena's... Right. You know, like, I thought, okay. So, that is the part of Serena that I see, and they're fighting to get out, and I'm excited about it, and it was so cool. It's great to see. Uh, Loaves and Fishes. Eden, oh, yes. Eden is all excited. That was hilarious. But she rolled in there and was like, I'm going to make potatoes and oh, chicken tonight. Poor thing. I know. And she's like, she doesn't, you know, because she's so young. You forget, like, she's 15. It's not, she's not dumb. Because you think, how is she not picking up on the tone of this room right now? Like, is she blind or, um, but then you think, no, she's only 15. Like, she doesn't know what, right. what to do. Like, this has been her whole life. So, like, this is totally normal and exciting for her. But, like, all these other women have had this whole other life and then been thrown into this world and have these comparisons to just hate everything. Speaking of hating everything, we get to see uh, Emily. Woo! And she is... None too thrilled. Because Janine's all like, hey, I'm back, everybody. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good to see you. <laughs> Missed your face. Because Janine's back on the God train. Where I she's know. like, God saved me again. FYI, three times. Told ya. <laughs> <laughs> Janine was cracking me up in this scene. Uh, now, the, the cool thing about yes. this scene is so... And I think the point of this thing that june does where she's looks at the one new handmaid who we've seen a couple times it's a younger african-american handmaid that walks through oh, and right. she says my name's june and the other one and she, first she looks at her like hey you're crazy why are you talking to me and then she's like oh i get it like and i think the point of this is because she didn't know Avglin's real name and so that they're telling everyone their names because they don't want anybody to be forgotten like that again so that they you know because i think she feels bad for legitimately because the girl told her you she you should have known her name like yeah. she was the person you should have been close with and it's a small rebellion but an important one it is uh and that was so cool and then it pans over to eden's face oh. and tim was like no don't say it in front of that one you don't trust that one <laughs> he was so upset that they were dumb enough to do it in front of her yeah, yep. and, and it, that was true. It was good. I wrote down, I knew it was good, too good to be true. Damn it, Bruce. I know. Referring to Bruce Miller, who he's, is the creator, writer of the show. He's and messing I was like, with us yet again. Because she does. She has a look on the fa- on her face like, what's happening right now? I know this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, nothing in this episode happens. No, but, but she's mentally cataloging that crap, and she's going to say something, and you do not get the sense that she will be down for the cause, because she was no, raised in it. raised in the cause. So she and, can't see the value in it. And they build her coming in as the next generation of Gilead and someone that kind of spells trouble. Right. That was kind of how they build her coming in as, as the show. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's good. My guess is probably some, she's going to realize that there's something between Nick and June. Like, I think she maybe thinks about it now. or Maybe she doesn't have a clue. But I think she's maybe because, again, they don't make the best decisions on when they, like, try to uh, snuggle up. No. So my guess is maybe down the line she's going to see June and Nick have a little thing and that she's going to try and rat you out given all the evidence that she has with you. 
I feel like she already pays a lot of attention to the two of them anyways. Because, yeah. So, what was a beautiful scene kind of ended in whatever. Mm -hmm. But then we're back at Little America. Welcome to the Handmaid's Tale. Right. (laughs) I should have known. Little America. Uh, So, they're naming the deceased, which is uh, terrible. And we do find uh, Fake Goblin's name, which is Lily Fuller. And they show the picture of her, which mm-hmm. not in her getup, which was interesting. So they showed. Yeah, I barely recognized and her. And I thought it was really cool. And I just hadn't thought about it. And it makes sense that they showed actual pictures of them, of them prior to. Because they wouldn't have pictures of them as handmaids, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it was cool that they, you know, every person they showed was just a, you know, picture from their real life. And so that was really beautiful. Um, then they did show the part from the trailer where they got the Little America banners hanging from the tree, mm-hmm. which I want one. So if somebody from the show is listening, I need a little, I need a Little America like banner to hang on my. We need one down. Here. I know, I know. They're kind of amazing. I need to. I would put it in my classroom. <laughs> that would be awesome for teachers. Because that would be know. great. Yeah, that would be great. Um, so Moira walks out, puts her picture of her and Odette on the shrine, which is just like, Bleh. I know. And you know, she was incredible. She was. This episode. Like, cause she went through all of the emotions, right? I know. And you just saw her. Yeah, it was cool to see her really get to stretch her or flex her wings or whatever. Spread her wings. Spread them. You can flex them while you spread them. I guess. Right. They're not really muscly, cool. but whatever. Yeah, and and then, then Luke grabs her yeah. hand. Cecil, Luke, he's okay, but he just frustrates me a lot of times. I feel like Luke is kind of in a very like normal dude kind of way yeah. like if he in a damsel in distress situation yeah. Luke is kind of money right yeah. not in a oh I have to sign your birth control prescription that doesn't register it's a big picture stuff right I guess Luke doesn't see the big picture like no you can't and I always come back to this and I'm sorry I'm going to come back to it till the end of time no you can't take the photo album with you while we stuff you in the trunk and try and smuggle you out of the city I know I know think, I know think Luke it's, it's a it's, yeah. yeah yeah big picture stuff yeah uh, men aren't always good at it I'll admit it I'm that's it's like my Achilles heel. And not everybody, but just, you know, it's a very dude kind of thing. Like, did you not think about the three steps ahead of this that was going to happen after this? And usually the answer is no. Um, Smack. <laughs> 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 For sure. <laughs> All right. So this is the pinnacle of this whole episode, right? This is amazing. So June and Serena and Serena's like, Offered, come with me, please. And nobody knows the fuck that means anymore. Right. Because they don't know if it's good. We don't know if she's going to get choked out. We don't know if there's some new horrible thing they've invented and installed in the house. We don't know what's going on. We saved that for episode eight. So don't worry. And she makes this excellent line of, it's about time things get start getting back to normal around here, don't you think? And that is a definitely a loaded statement, right? Intentionally. Yeah. So uh, normal around here being what? Right. Like, like she needs terrible? to be able to do stuff. Like that's what I'm, I mean, is she speaking as the royal we, as we'll say, um, like getting back to normal for all the women? Like, hey, we're going to get things back to normal, normal? I think she just meant peace, but. Hmm. Yeah, I guess, I or, guess so. Or non-cushing rule. Right. Like whatever cushing is, we need to make that stop yes. happening. So June is uh, decidedly confused. And uh, Serena is basically saying, <laughs> um, here's all the new orders. I need you to help me edit them. You used to be an editor. And she's like, yeah. I feel like June and the viewers are having the exact same exper- experience in this epi- in this moment in the episode. Because everybody's like, what's going on? <laughs> I'm sad, scared, happy. And, yeah. And so I put holy McBonkers McBon- McBonkers <laughs> in because I was like, oh, shit. Uh, so it's happening. Serena is like taking over and yeah. she is going to basically, you know, do Fred's sh- job, do Fred's job and make shit happen and get things back to normal. Cause she mentions earlier that she's not happy that Cushing made their, you know, 
their neighborhood into a war zone mm. and killing Marthas and making because they make this whole point about that's supposed to make us feel safer and it doesn't, which is an interesting thing to say in this day and age. Yeah. Um, so June uh, is like, fuck it, let's do it. Yep. And she clicks the pen, which is interesting because that's very similar to the clicking of the bomb at right. the end of episode six in a whole different kind of way, right? But either way, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a good thing, right? Well, I it's mean, just as much of a shock to the right society as, you know. Well, and the fact that she probably hasn't held a writing oh. utensil in yeah, any and you way. See that. And that's so cool. And I had to explain that to for people who haven't seen season one. I was watching it with someone who hasn't seen season one. You have to explain because you don't notice at first that there's no words at loaves and fish and there's no words anywhere. And so you don't know that if you haven't watched season one that or read the book that women aren't allowed to read, right. which or is write. a great way to oppress a group of people by not allowing them to read or write, right. which is what I explain to my students all the time. They don't get it. Um, which really the only time you really is explicitly noted is when Lydia is writing the stuff down when she's measuring June and yes. Serena looks at her and she's like, oh, special dispensation. It's really more of a burden than anything. You know, and so, right. Yeah. This is so, yeah, this just Woo! this moment was just like, bam. I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. And so the ending song even um, just one the song Venus is a great choice. But the fact that the name of the band that does the song is called Shocking Blue which I thought was very appropriate given what had just happened. The, you know, the wives all wear blue. And so I thought that someone was very clever or unintentionally clever. And in it that. just worked out. Yeah. And it just worked out. They were like, let's do Venus because it's like the whole, you know, the whole thing is about goddess, the Venus and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Shocking Blue is the name of the band. I was like, that's awesome. Good for them. Noted. But yeah, so killer cool. episode. Just yeah. Awesome. Two incredibly competent women being able to show their competence is so cool. And that is actually a theme that carries over into episode eight. Yes. So I'm excited about all of the women doing things that they want to be doing and that they're very good at. And so I guess the question would be, where's all go? Yeah, that's not <laughs> a question I want to think about. Because <laughs> remember, we are still watching the show. That right. That things don't last forever. Builds you up, baby, just to let you down. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So fantastic. I loved everything about this episode, especially following up six, which was like, so probably, horrible. as I said, it was probably my favorite overall episode that they've ever done. Just because really? there, were, uh, th- there were so many good scenes in that episode. I mean, you had the Nick and Eden scene, which was just controversial on its own merits. Yeah. But the Handmaid's at Breakfast scene is one of the best things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, just the whole awkwardness of the situation, so the weird. acting, the way they wrote it. The whole thing is gorgeously done. And just the rest of that whole episode was just like, everybody was, it just felt like the kind of pinnacle of everything that show wants to do done correctly. Aside from like, I'd say if you take the first three episodes of the first season out of the equation, which are kind of live on their own, you know, um, merits there and their own stand on their own. Uh, this was probably the scene to scene overall, just like blew me away for scenes first episode six. This, this one was a great follow up to that. And I'd liked where they took it. Cause I don't think it's necessarily the direction that anybody really imagined it going. And I do think they do that pretty well, which they kind of keep you on your toes uh, and both sides on the good and the bad. Yeah. No, it was it was a great episode. I just don't know if it's my favorite. But now I'm not seven. I'm talking about six. Six was my favorite. No, I know. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know that six was my favorite. It was good. It was great. But I don't know. I have to think now. But I don't (laughs) think it was my favorite because I wouldn't have to think about it if it was. Mm, There you go. But I understand why it's yours. Oh, thank you. Well, yay. All right. We'll we'll be back uh, shortly for episode eight to uh, figure out what the repercussions are of 
the June and Offer, or not June, June and Serena uh, power tickle. Alliance, yes. Yes, that'd be interesting. We'll see you next time.